The air was bad the day of Aldemona's burial. Hot, close, sulfurous. The sky was pewter, undercast and yellow, and there was a noxious smell, an oil refinery smell, as if the cemetery were in New Jersey instead of Queens. It was one of those August mornings when the streetlights still burned away. Perhaps the person who was supposed to turn them off had forgotten or overslept. Janik looked closely at the others gathered around the grave, recognized a few familiar faces, old detectives, retired cops with sagging jaws. Lou, of course, the widow. She already had the frantic look that said, now I have to worry about the mortgage and growing old alone and getting the oil changed. And Dolly, the daughter, her letter had been there on the card table along with the half-finished crossword puzzle and the woodworking tools and that pathetic half-carved wooden flute. She'd written she'd decided to relocate to Houston, and could she park the kids for a while, and a lot of selfish crap like that. Maybe Dolly's letter had done it, Janik thought, or maybe it was something else. It didn't matter. The trigger had been ready. Whatever made Al pull it was meaningless, beside the fact that it had been ready, waiting to be pulled. He had imagined the scene— Al sitting at the card table staring into space, the sound of Lou moving around upstairs, sorting out the linens, then scouring the bathroom sink. It was a hot, humid Sunday morning, and the front closet smelled like a dry-cleaning shop, and the neighborhood was quiet, and there was a shiny thirty-eight in the front hall table drawer, and it just took a couple of seconds to step over there and get it out and stick it in his mouth and pull one off. Upstairs, Lou froze, her sponge poised, the roar of the shot fading slowly, sinking deep, deep into her brain. She knew right away, didn't even have to think. She'd been to the funerals, had heard about these things, knew all about these Sunday morning things. A year into retirement, the worst time, the time you have to worry most about. She knew and Janik could see her frozen there in the bathroom, not even shaking, standing still as a mannequin until the sound was finally gone. She might have looked half-quizzically at her sponge, dropped it into the bowl, then moved to the head of the stairs and peeked down until she could see Al's feet sticking out into the hall. It would be then, when she saw the worn soles of his shoes, that the bitterness would have come, feelings of despair and betrayal and unfairness, too, of how horribly unfair this was. She had worried, prayed, somehow gotten through the violent, risky years only now to have to face the insidious Sunday morning violence inside. She had known this was coming, had seen it coming for months, was afraid to mention it, afraid he'd blow up if she urged him to see somebody, talk it through and get some help. She tiptoed down, stared at him, made sure he was really dead, then turned into the kitchen and picked up the wall phone and called Frank Janik, because Frank was loyal, and Frank would know what to do, and Frank would take charge of everything. Good old trusty Frank.